Hey guys, this is Vince from Fractal Universe and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Interview Under Fire. This is once again your host, Sonny, this time along with the talented Vince Wilquin. Uh, it's an honor and bonjour, might I add. You know, thank you so much for joining our IUF series today. Now, Vince, this is an exciting time of the year for you and the rest of your bandmates over at Fractal Universe with the release of your third studio album, The Impassable Horizon, uh, drops June 25th on Metal Blade Records. And first things first, you know, I want to commend you guys and all of the well-deserved recognition has been getting so far, especially with that amazing single that recently dropped, A Clockwork Expectation. Plenty of amazing things to unravel about this album. But before we get to all that and beyond, I do this with all my guests. And uh, a very important question to start this interview off. How are you, Vince? You know, I know you're in France. How's life out there? I know it's an important one to ask, even though it's a simple one. You know, uh, how have you been doing in this entire last year that we've been removed from the live concert experience? Well, I'm quite good. For now, the the French country is still uh, under lockdown and everything. So things here are not that easy. But actually, for me, I can't complain. I've managed to do a lot of musical things throughout this pandemic. We've been very productive as a band, so I can't really complain. Yeah, you know, making the best of this situation is what we have to do, and we're currently doing that. Obviously, things are uh, it's different in different parts, different parts of the world right now. Like here in the states, things are starting to open back up, and hopefully, I see the same thing happening with you guys. And obviously, you know, life as of late, many of us have also been away from the stage a lot. You know, fans and musicians alike. Now that things seem to have a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, Vince, how have you been keeping up your vocals, your guitar chops, even your saxophone playing these days? Is that affecting your musicianship? Has anything changed for you routine-wise lately, if at all? Mm, well, I've used the pandemic to, to make a lot of music, obviously. I had even more time than usual being stuck at home. But uh, as I said, yeah, I can't complain. I had time to, to practice all three instruments. And the saxophone was still fairly new to me by the time the pandemic started. So I had a lot of time to, to develop that. And now try to, uh, to find the balance between all the things I have to do and try to keep practicing all three instruments quite equally. So, uh, so right. I get better at each of them. It's exciting. And, you know, Fractal Universe, you know, has been around since 2013. But here's the thing, you know, you've been at, you've been at this, Vince, for longer than that. Whether it's with, you know, Fractal Universe or Dehumanize or a Scarred, or even Amoeba. I'm, I'll even throw those bands in there. I wanted to ask, you know, how was the touring life and live music experience for you personally? Because I know we talked about, you know, that tour with Obscura you had uh, last year before, you know, pre-pandemic in, in the spring of 2020. And now we've all been kind of just forced to take an unexpected step back. And has this time lately, you're talking about staying busy with the instruments that you're playing right now, has it has this time made you develop a growing appreciation of that touring life or just a live concert experience as a whole? Yeah, for sure. I miss all of that. Um, touring is really, I think, the, the most rewarding part of this uh, this whole music thing. It's really so rewarding to to play for for people to to watch them enjoy your show to to share a moment with them. So obviously, that's missing now. But um, Despite that, yeah, I'm still managing to, to, to keep motivated, practicing, writing new music. And we've also been doing this, uh, this kind of Twitch uh, live streams and everything, which keep us connected to the audience. Obviously, that's nowhere clear to, uh, close to a real live show, but uh, it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, we can talk about, you know, the food and culture and the fans all about, you know, the live experience all we want, because there's so many things about 
the touring experience, what makes it amazing, you know, and you did touch on this about the live streaming. We've seen this for the last, you know, year and a half, I guess, and maybe, you know, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. But I wanted to ask with the amount of touring that you've done before the pandemic started, the venues you played at, the fans you've encountered, the places you've been in, you know, touring around Europe as well with those other bands that I mentioned. Uh, I wanted to get your take because it's been a commonality on Interview Under Fire, you know, especially with this last year is about the live streaming is, you know, we've had bands on here like, you know, Insomnium and, you know, uh, uh, August Burns Red, just to name a few that talk about their experience on selling like virtual tickets to the fans and then pre-recording a show or just streaming a show, however they want to do the live streaming. But do you think that the rise of the quarantine induced live streaming we're seeing right now from all these bands uh, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward through your eyes? Like, has it already been affected? Do you still see bands sticking to something like live streaming even after, you know, the pandemic is over? Well, maybe I think it's not the same thing. Obviously now it's kind of the replacement for shows, mm -hmm. but uh, I could still see it uh, continue, I think, because uh, once shows are going to be possible again, I think it's not the same thing to, to go to a show to where you have the energy and everything. And it's another, it's a totally different thing to be able to watch to a show from your home or whatever. So maybe the two can continue. Obviously, one is not going to replace the other or whatever. So right. I, I could see it continue. Yeah, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer to what you just said. And I love that answer because I've had many artists who say, yeah, I would love to do live streaming. It still gives me a chance to engage with my fans and listeners and followers. And some artists don't want to do anything until all this is over. You know, there's always that uncertainty going forward. And obviously, like I said, there is a light at the end of the tunnel in all this with the whole vaccinations, that process coming into, into play more and more as, as the days go by. Uh, yeah. And like you said, there's that freedom to, you know, mosh in your own room, right? How that, That's always great. But how much longer can you do it for? You do the live streaming and then you kind of hit that creativity wall. Like, okay, now what do we do? You always run into that, at that, um, that question, but um but yeah, it's a great answer because, uh, I mean, who knows what will happen going forward. Hopefully, you know, the, ne the next time like the states do take, you know, a whole refractal universe is in person. So um, there's always that hope to look forward to. Now, uh, let's talk about that third album, you know, uh, The Impassable Horizon. Now, we covered everything so far. Uh, this album comes out June 25th on Metal Blade. And this is quite the follow up to 2019's Rhizomes of Insanity. Why am I saying that for people who are listening? Because you, Vince... You have incorporated something new and unique into Fractal Universe's sound with this album, and that is playing the saxophone like we talked about earlier on this record. And if you could briefly just wind the clock back here with me to late 2019, to that moment when you first picked up this instrument and decided that this was a sound that you wanted to bring along with the new upcoming music. How easy was that decision or how difficult was that decision bringing in something like a saxophone into fractal universe's world well at first i picked up the saxophone uh, just for fun uh, it was a dream come true uh, it was an instrument I, I wanted to to start learning for a long time and uh finally i, I did it because I, I moved in my new home where i had my little studio vocal booth where i wasn't afraid of being too loud for my neighbors and i decided hey let's <laughs> let's pick up the saxophone and i didn't expect it to become anything serious i, I was not even sure i was going to like it but I really grew uh, grew in love with it uh, very, very fast, actually. And uh, soon I realized that, yeah, this could be uh, introduced uh, into our next record, actually. And actually, we had done this uh, in the past. We had some guests uh, playing saxophone on uh, 
a track called Backwards Man, for example, on our debut yep. record. That's true. And uh, we really liked the sound. And uh, actually, the two combined pretty well, me starting to learn the saxophone and us liking the sound of the, of the saxophone in the previous records. And we said, like, yeah, this would be totally huge to, to add more of that on the new record and also to be able to play it on stage. It would really bring the band, I think, to a, to a new dimension to make it stand out, I think. Yeah, I really, it really... It was easy, actually. It was easy to to make the saxophone fit into the music because it's such a versatile instrument. You can make it sound really aggressive, really, really, really loud, really, really thick. But you can sound, make it sound really soft and and open. And yeah, that's why it blends so well into your music. I think it really brought a whole new dimension into Fractal Universe's sound. I mean, I'm just a fan out of thousands out there, but that's definitely what I heard. And I think it really expanded on each of the band members musicality, like the saxophone allowed it to, okay, I can actually do more things now, you know, and open up the whole new pathway for the band. Now, if I may, Vince, you know, from start to finish, I've been listening to nothing but impossible uh, uh, horizon for the last, was it week or so, or two weeks that since metal blade sent it to me, man, uh, riff after riff, you know, there were ballads and saxophone solos, uh, rhythmic technicalities. It was a very versatile and complex album. And when it comes to a, progressive metal sounding album again i'm one of just thousands millions of fans out there you guys have checked all those boxes off mentally for me on the different structures on what makes this record such an atmospheric experience and reminding me of bands like obscura and gorod and uh, cynic and even the faceless i'll throw them in there you know songs like autopoiesis and uh, symmetrical masquerade withering snowdrops and um godless machinist which is my personal favorite i mean this is as good as it gets here. So walk me through this, you know, how much did things change from when you first started composing on impossible horizon to where you ended up finishing it? You know, was there already a specific sound you knew you had in mind with impossible horizon? Well, not really. Actually, when I compose, I try to really let things flow. I don't try to force anything particular into the music. I don't have any, any big picture in mind. Uh, so at the start of this, there were only like a few ideas that I had, and that's developed into this this whole record. There was nothing forced, nothing added in that uh, that didn't belong there or whatever. So it's really a natural process. But as you said, yeah, it's a very versatile record, and I think that's one of the the aims I have when I when I compose a song. I want it to to stand on its own and uh, not be too similar to another. So each song must have its own personality, and that's the same thing for each record. I like each record to be slightly have a different mood, uh, have a different vibe from the from the other records, and I think that's one of the things that drive me when I compose. I try to incorporate new elements and uh, make the song stand out. Yeah, I, I think you also said that uh, you prefer to be a composer as opposed to just a songwriter, right? And I think that's that. I think that really talks about your your musicality personally and like how you actually go about your songwriting and uh the structures within uh with each song that's in this album and now is it november 2018 is when the writing of this album started like before before the previous album was even released is that correct yeah and that's always kind of the case for us um because usually when you're done producing a record or whatever uh you have spent so much time listening and playing and recording all the same songs that uh, it is usually a good time when all of that is finished to start writing something new because you are you kind of have heard these songs too much and you want to do something new <laughs> you're able to move on that's been chapter. the case for uh, <laughs> that's been the case for all the records so far and it's still the case now i've started laying down some new ideas for 
maybe the yeah. follow up for the record. That was my next question. It's like, did you already start writing on the next album? So that's that's really cool to see. Now, we uh, as far as the production, I really heard a natural evolution to your sound. It sounded so clean, polished, and powerful. I heard everything on this album, and I'm kind of an audiophile these days. You know, I'm very picky on how I want to listen to my music, the way I want to listen to it. All these EQs that I have set up personally, you know, that the way uh, I like to have my music, you know, in my ears. And most of the instruments uh, were recorded in your personal homes, as far as that is concerned. I know that. And the drums were done in your band's professional studio, the Boundless Production Studio. And you also had producer Flavian Morel, hopefully I'm saying his name right, uh, involved in this, who's been working with you guys since the beginning. You know, talk about that and talk about Flavian. I'm sure there was a sense of comfortability for you, Vince, in the studio, knowing that you had someone like him working on this album with you, right? Yeah, totally. I think the whole process could be summed up with this word, uh, comfort. Because, yeah, as you said, we we did everything in our own private studios. And that allowed us to take all the time we wanted to maybe take a few days of rest to uh, to just refocus and everything. And, yeah, I think that's part of what made this whole record uh, happen so smoothly. Because, obviously, our music is very complex to record. There are so many layers. So it's such such a comfortable feeling to you to know that you are not in a hurry and uh yeah that's that's what makes uh makes recording fun i think and as for flavian our producer he really got to to know the band over the years he understands exactly what we want uh, what our music is about and he's really involved in the project and uh, that's really important to to us to have somebody that is like an extension of the band that Mm -hmm. is producing it and he's also living really close to where we are, so we are able to attend to the mixing process and everything. And that, yeah, that contributes to 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 the whole thing being being so comfortable for us. Yeah, and that's definitely the keyword, comfortable. Like uh, everything you're talking about, it kind of just checks out that list. So you're able to you're able to have that level of convenience is always there. It's always nice to have to actually work on an album as powerful as this. Now, I did mention that Clockwork Expectation uh, single earlier. That music video, I got to talk about that because it was a shot. It was shot at. Again, hopefully I'm not butchering the name. Geoffrey de Poudre. Is that the is that uh, is that what it's called? Uh, uh, Gouffre de Poudre. <laughs> Pretty close. All right. Yeah, see, the, there the we G go. Francis, uh, I, I, I gotta remember to not like just make a fool of myself and just get the pronunciation right. As far as that is concerned, it was shot at that uh, France's largest equipped cave. That music video. I I urge all the followers and listeners and uh, and everyone who's listening to this interview to check out that music video because you all spent what is it two days all alone in those extreme conditions 70 meters underground uh if i'm correct seven degrees celsius at the same time it was such a beautiful location as i was watching it how did this entire idea to bring something like this you know first come to the surface on a music video like clockwork expectation well yeah we had in mind to to shoot that kind of video in a in a cave to have something a little greenish like in the background to, to fit with the album cover and actually, uh, Valentin, our bass player, lives pretty close to to that huge cave. And he said, it, "Hey, let's just uh, let's just try to to write to them and see if uh, they're interested." Because uh, <laughs> the cave actually is run by a private uh, family, basically. Okay. And they manage everything on their own, and uh, we were absolutely not uh, not convinced that they would agree to anything. But uh, they ended up, yeah, really being open-minded about the project and. Uh, actually re-seeing it also as an exposure for them, maybe. And and so, yeah, they immediately said yes. And um, 
yeah, from, from that point on, we, we tried to prepare the expedition as good as possible because you said it, extreme conditions. And in the end, we, we had a great crew around the band. We had a, a great director, great technicians to help us carry all the stuff down 70 meters in the ground. And that's what made it all go very smoothly. Despite being very hard, everything went according to plan. So, uh, so that's, good. that's good, I think. And yeah, we are very happy about the result because the location is just magnificent. And uh, yeah, you have to imagine how the, the drums sounded in the place like this with the I, reverb I, yeah. <laughs> going for many seconds. I think you can see it in the, in the making of video we released. There are some instances where I play uh, the saxophone and it keeps ringing for like 10 <laughs> seconds. Same thing for the drums. It was really, really amazing. Man, I, I I would love to see that. I don't I don't. I, that's like what you wrote. That was my next question as far as like the behind the scenes after you guys did release that. Now that you're telling me that, I have to go check that out. And I was wondering a lot of the instrumentals when he actually got there. Like, okay, let's do this thing. You know, as far as like recording the music video, I don't know if it felt like awkward at first when you guys first started like performing in front of the camera, and then you just get used to it. Like, how did it come? Was it just natural? Like when you guys just were finally there shooting the music video? Like, how how comfortable were you guys? Yeah, well, uh, comfortable, I don't know, because yeah, <laughs> it was quite cold. And uh, for some shots, we were really freezing. Because, uh, for example, for the ending of the song, we were just standing without trying to, to, to move as, as, as less as possible, uh, as few as possible. And uh, yeah, in these instances where we did the shot like 20 times in a row, uh, we were really, really freezing. But apart from that, it was quite comfortable uh, once, you, once you get everything rolling. Uh, you don't even realize again where you are and, and everything. You don't even really realize how awesome the location is. You just focus on your thing then. Well, now you got to think about the next music video because you set the bar pretty high with this one. <laughs> who knows? Who knows what's going to happen next? Like just do it on top of a mountain or something like that. But anyway, just throwing ideas out there. Now, <laughs> you know, between uh, writing and structuring the songs and the production processes, like we just talked about, uh, something that I was really excited to touch on is you know, the complex lyricism throughout the impassable horizon, you know, it deals with the exploring of con the concept of death and the relationship that us humans have with it, you know, and you've been brought in the likes of a, of a doctor in psychology, if I'm correct, Arthur Massat into this world. And it was a very philosophical approach to the subject. Like you have a song like autopoiesis, which is about uh, the emergence of life, the organic that comes out of the non-organic. And then you have a song like symmetrical masquerade, which is about the particular hope that humans have of, of a something, whatever that is, like after death. And uh, it, it goes like you, we could talk about that all we want. Like we could go deep into that rabbit hole. But I wanted to ask, you know, to what level do you guys like to have a theme or a concept for your music? And how important is that to you? Is that more about helping you guys write or sound or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of artists, they don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs in the studio and that's it. But with this album, you guys went above and beyond to get that theme or the concept across and and like you said every song stood out on its own uh, i want to ask about that like how important is a theme to you vince well actually the the theme uh, emerges pretty late in the whole process uh, and we try to, to find the lyrical theme according to to the music and not the other way around hmm. so uh basically what happens is we we have the the 10 songs already written out and then we we discuss yeah what what does this bring to your mind and uh, then these concept ideas emerge. And uh, as, as you said, yeah, this is really a concept record with everything being tied together. 
and I think it's also true in the music because everything was written around the same around the same time. Everything uh, is basically a reflection of who we were at a given point. So I think it's really fitting to have a whole concept in terms of the lyrics tying everything together. Okay, so it would be, I guess it would be safe to say it's more like a go with the flow attitude and then see where you end up. And then you guys kind of collaborate and decide, okay, this is how we want to do it. Let's do it this way. Kind of like that, I suppose. Yeah, kind of uh, like that. Uh, as I said, I don't have a big picture in mind. Yeah. When I start writing. The big picture emerges uh, from itself after a while, I think. Yeah, it's always interesting. And, I, and I, that's a great answer you brought in because I have so many artists, they say, usually it's like a, what is it? Come up with the theme beforehand and then just go from there, right? I love how that you guys kind of just have your own way of doing things and look at the final result. I, again, it's you guys really have really knocked it out of the park. Do you see, uh, you know, do you see um, this album and Passable Horizon as a snapshot of where you are in a certain time in your life looking back? Yeah, I think uh, that's the case with all our records. Um, each of them are different, but each of them, uh, obviously on each of them, we would do some things differently looking back at them, but each of them should stand on their own because, uh, yeah, they are reflections of who we were at that time. And that's also the case for this one, I think. And uh, yeah, I think the most important thing to me as a composer is to st stay true to, uh, to who we are. Don't try to force stuff inside. Don't try to please people. Mm -hmm. Do just the best music you can. Do the music you would like to hear yourself at the given moment. Yeah. And also another thing, you know, as we're talking about, you know, the music that you guys have actually put out, uh, the music scene or even just the metal scene in France as a whole. Obviously, we all know about Gojira and Alcest. Landmarks, Year of No Light, uh, Granville, Phoenix. I'll even throw those bands in there. How has that scene changed through your experience? Well, it's getting a lot richer over the years, I've come to think. And I think a major part uh, of that is due to Gojira getting really that mainstream recognition. And uh, I think even now when they're releasing their new record, they are the only band, only metal band ever to be on mainstream TV in France. That has never happened yeah. before. Wow. And I think that will open some doors. Obviously, it's great that they are on mainstream TV, but uh, on the other hand, it's uh, kind of sad to see that they are the only band getting that. But hopefully it's just the beginning. And uh, yeah, as you said, uh, this French scene is, is, is very rich, especially at the moment. And many people are drawing inspiration from uh, the path that Gojira are leading, basically. And there are so many great bands like Gorod also, or Hypnose, Clone, Triple oh, yeah. oh, yeah. these kind of bands. And I think all of them have that very distinctive uh, French sound to them. There is something that, uh, that makes them recognizable. I think it's the, maybe the groove that is really an important part of the music that you can find in Gojira, for example, but also in all these other bands I, I just mentioned. And uh, yeah, I think that has to do with how, the, how rich the French culture overall is. It's a, it's a large country. And that's always made it, it has always been at the forefront of, uh, of culture, be it literature or uh, uh, mm -hmm. theater or whatever. France has always been playing a huge part of that. And yeah, uh, yeah I think it, it really re reflects in the music, in the metal music in these recent years. Yeah, that, that was always a, it was an encouraging thing to hear about what Gojira did. What is uh, was it earlier this week? They were number one on Billboard. They passed uh, DJ Khaled on that list. And when I saw that, I was like, I can't believe that. that I, that's what I was really excited about. I asked this question about someone like you who knows about the music scene there and what it looks like on the outlook going forward. Yeah, I mean, better late than never. I mean, that's always one way to look at it. But then you wish, man, why didn't this happen before, you know? And 
but like you said, I really hope it does open the doorways for, for you guys. And a lot of the bands that you mentioned going forward, you know, from the different experiences and perspectives and your timeline bins that you have taken in, which we have discussed about and for playing as long as you have, and the people you have met and work with doing these three records and, and including the multiple touring cycles and the different bands that I mentioned earlier in this interview, it sounds like you still have much left to put out there with Fractal Universe's artistic vision and yours, you know, and this is definitely something you have a passion for. And the truth is, from what I'm seeing, you've experienced plenty already in your career, Vince. Have your aspirations as an individual or even a musician, have they changed or evolved since when you first started performing in this industry? Like, do you see things differently today? Well, I think the, the whole pandemic has obviously also shaped our our view of things because we have that kind of, we can't do anything about this situation. And despite that, we managed to, to do the best out of it. And I think that's what you should aim for as a musician as well, because there are some things that will always remain out of your control. If you're trying to achieve fame, if you're doing music to achieve fame, I don't think it's a very, I think it's quite a toxic way of seeing things. You should mm-hmm. always do, the, do it for the love of music, I think. And as I said, write music firstly for yourself. And if some people like what you do, then it's great. But uh, don't pursue anything particular. And I think I always kind of had this state of mind, but it's been made a lot clearer with the pandemic. Because, yeah, as I said, so, so many things are beyond our control. And we just have to accept it. I think it's something yeah. good to, to get out of this. Yeah, I think it's also important, you know, at being successful, it... I think it's easy to lose track of yourself the more successful you are. I think it's important to, I, I don't speak for everybody. I'm just, I'm just saying it, that can be a, a pathway you can end up in. And, and I think it's important kind of just push everything back and look at it from the outside, kind of just remind yourself why you do what you do. And then before you step back into it, I remember when we had Johannes from Cult of Luna, uh, a great band on the show. And he talked about uh, that really resonated with me. Like if you do something that you have a passion for, it's important to take a break from that sometimes because you kind of lose that passion the more you do it. Does that, you get what I'm saying? I don't know if that makes sense. But when he said that, I was like, wow, that really touches on, you know, a lot of things that I do in my life. Like it is important to, you know, to remind yourself why you do what you do. I think that's an important way to look at it. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah. Well, it's hard for me to, to take a break. Um, <laughs> that's that's okay too that's okay too <laughs> it's hard for me but I, I totally understand it but I, I do take breaks from time to time when i go on holidays or whatever i don't necessarily bring a guitar or whatever or a saxophone with you but, uh, yeah yeah totally <laughs> but um but besides that yeah i think uh, i think you should always remain as we said true to to yourself and if you if you need a break take a break if you don't then uh, keep going but uh it's uh for me, music is really a passion and uh, I, I love all, all what I do. And also the fact that I'm working in the music field. I'm basically teaching um, music and uh, coaching bands starting out and whatever. Uh, that really keeps me in the music world uh, all the time, yeah. basically. So I can't take a break from music. I can maybe take a break from uh, uh, practicing for some days, from composing or whatever. But I will always be somehow in the music, you know. Yeah, if anything to take take away from this, everyone has their own different tendencies to stay within what they want to do. And uh, don't take a break. I'm just going to say that because you're doing amazing things right now. I, I do wonder, like, if you weren't a musician, what would you be doing right now? Has that ever crossed your mind? Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe something to do in the research field. I uh, I, I love, like, uh, watching videos or whatever about, like, uh, fundamental physics or whatever. That kind of stuff has always, like, fascinated me, the astro- astrology, whatever. Uh, so maybe something to do with that. 
I, that's always interesting because it's always cool to hear other interests that can feed your creativity within uh, within your band. Uh, that's really interesting. I've I've had so many different answers, and that's actually one of the most unique ones. Uh, it actually makes sense, you know, with 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 the way that you guys kind of structure your entire music kind of just resonates with what you just talked about <laughs> with the, with the, with the physics nature and all that, you know, um, and now usually when I end an interview, uh, this is the last part of it. I kind of usually I ask, you know, what are your like favorite, you know, albums and what, whatnot. I do wonder, cause we kind of almost touch on like, I, I wonder like what your favorite movies are Vince. Cause I feel like with the, with the music video that I saw the way, the way your song structure is, I wonder if there's like any cinematic tones that you like brought in from like maybe movies you love the way you wanted to shoot your music videos or just if it influenced your writing style at all. Do you have five favorite movies you can think of? If not, we can go with music. Uh, <laughs> I, think I, I think I put you on the spot here. <laughs> yeah, but uh, in terms of movies, I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan's uh, approach. So there are films like uh, The Prestige, Interstellar that really resonate with me. Interstellar is uh, in my top five of all time. So you kind of just struck a chord right there. Yeah, he, he has such a unique uh, way of, of, of directing a movie and uh, of bringing so intricate and interesting concepts to, to the big screen. So I'm, I'm really in love with all of these movies. But I think my favorite one of his is uh, The Prestige. Uh, and besides that, yeah, there are, there are so, many, so many great films that I could think of. Um, I'm also a big series fan. I recently uh, loved the series Dark uh, that runs on Oh, Netflix. I've seen that show. That's a great show. Great show. Yeah. Also like these... Uh, kind of time travel uh, paradox and uh, everything, which are really, really mind-blowing sometimes. And then let's see. Uh, I'm also a big fan of, uh, obviously, like the, the Lord of the Rings. That will always remain a, a classic. I obviously. I have to. You have to have that in there. <laughs> and yeah, I think that that's a good a good starting point. Uh, I, I wonder, have, have you seen Tenet? Yeah. Okay, so I don't know what your thoughts are. I thought it was in a... I, I should think it may be one of his best, Nolan's best. Like Interstellar is is my personal favorite, but Tenet is slowly creeping its way up there to number one because I've seen it multiple times. Each time I watch Tenet, it's one of those movies where you kind of have to kind of just watch over and over and really have to, because you're going to miss something. I love it when movies do that and make you want that replay values there and you get to really pick up on things you missed, missed the first time or the second time or the third time. I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I've heard mixed reviews there so far, but personally i love that movie i mean i know you talk about christopher nolan but what's well, the... The, the the thing <laughs> is i only got to see it once and as you okay. said i think it really needs multiple uh multiple rewatches to really get everything but from my from what i saw i loved it the problem was then uh, i saw it once then the country was on lockdown and the movie theaters were closed so i didn't get oh, to, to watch it the second time when you but watch yeah, it really, when you watch really... it again watch it with subtitles just i'm, I'm going to point that out there because that that will really help for someone like me, it really helped. Just pointing it out there. <laughs> yeah, I think I would definitely rewatch it uh, if I get the chance. But from what I saw, yeah, it's really also a technical masterpiece. I don't know how he did all of that uh, reverse uh, filming stuff and everything. It's really crazy on a technical level. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it could definitely grow to be one of my favorites also. Yeah, okay, okay, that's good. I, I was making sure that you you were you already saw that. I'm sure you've already seen it, so I'm glad you did already see that. So, how many movies was was that? Was that already five that we named out? Like, I know we had the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I know we had uh, we had uh, we had the Prestige on there. We had Dark. I don't know if that counts as like <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> no, that's that, that's fine. That's fine. That that that'll, that'll count. Uh, man, Vince, this has been such an honor. You know, um, I want to say you know, uh, Messi Voku, obviously. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day for doing this again. Um, 
Do you have any last words, just any shout outs, anything you'd like to plug in or mention as far as Fractal Universe and the Impassable Horizon before we finish things off here? Maybe a new music video coming out soon. I don't know if you, what you can and cannot say about that, but. <laughs> yeah, there's a new music video coming up soon. Oh, awesome. It will even be released. <laughs> I don't know when this uh, is going to be broadcast. Uh, this will be, well, we're actually, you're starting, we're in season eight right now. So I'm thinking early June, we kind of center it around the album release. It won't be late June. We're taking. We're talking. Let me like early June to mid June is when this will go live. Okay, so you will already have seen the new music video, okay. <laughs> but there's a, there's still a third one coming on a release day for another song. And besides that, we have a lot of content coming up. We are always uh, doing these kind of playthrough videos. There will also be like live reactions on Twitch, lessons on Twitch, whatever. And we're also planning a live stream show where we're gonna play the awesome. full record in its entirety. So to anybody who's not in France, that's going to be possibly the only way to see us live in the coming month. So definitely stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, thank you so much yeah. for having me. It was, a, it was a great pleasure. I hope you guys will like the album and uh, appreciate all the effort we put into it. And that hopefully we're going to be able to meet on some show when we're going to be able to make it to the American continent for the first time ever. Yeah. And then we'll be talking about how uh, we did this interview during the pandemic and uh we're going to talk about Tenet, all right? You got you got to watch that a couple of times because I want to dissect it. It's always nice to talk about uh, a person who has a passion for Christian Rillon as, as much as I do, like all of his movies. I, we could talk about that on a separate episode, but we'll, we'll do that for another, another time, obviously. Um, everyone who's listening, this is Vince Will Quinn from Fractal Universe. The Impassable Horizon comes out June 25th on Metal Blade Records. I seriously cannot wait for everyone to listen to this um one of the album of the year contenders for sure i can't believe we're already midway through this year that's also uh that's also one thing you got to kind of remind yourself about we're midway through 2021 that's what's crazy and uh if you can who's listening you know uh, buy the album you know because the bands can't do it without your help it's a very simple request but you know i still buy records and that's sitting in the corner of my room i still do that i love having the hard copy but um uh, I urge for you guys to do that. And everyone who's listening, you can check out this podcast on all major podcast streams out there. Check us out on our interview on fire.com. Vince, you stay safe out there, man, in France. And uh, uh, we'll do this again someday. All right, man. Yeah. Thank you, Sonny. Thank you for having me. For thank you so much for your time, man. You be safe out there. I'll talk to you next time, buddy. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. If you'd like to check out more, visit www.interviewunderfire.com or our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And finally, we want to thank you all for the support you've been giving us. Keep it burning.